All right, everybody. Welcome back to another bonus episode of Cinemaholics. I am your usual co-host, Will. And once again, joining me for this special edition episode, Thing of a Bobber, is our good friend, Corey Woodruff. Hey, Corey. Hey, Will. We're back uh, at it with another Corey yeah. and Will original. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean... Usually I give you a more formal introduction, kind of tell you or tell the listeners where you're from and all that. But I feel like they know. Well, not only that, but so the movie we're reviewing is uh, a new Judd Apatow joint called The Bubble. It was a Netflix exclusive exclusive. Uh, I think it did actually premiere in a few theaters nationwide. No one. None of the theaters near me, but it is primarily a streaming exclusive, which is a first for Judd Apatow, this is his uh, sixth feature film, narrative feature, I think. Is it sixth or eighth? I actually, so let's see, 40 Year Old Virgin, Knocked Up, Funny People, uh, This is 40, Trainwreck, uh, King of Sad Now. So I guess it's seventh uh, feature mm. at this point. Yeah. Um, not counting the documentaries and stuff he's done. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it is. Uh, pretty widely considered his first major critical flop. I mean, I know mm. a lot of people aren't particularly fond of This Is 40, but I feel like prior to this film, I've been favorable to very favorable on nearly all of Judd Apatow's films. I don't think he's perfect by any means. I certainly have had a lot of criticisms about his work, but I generally give him the benefit of the doubt. Like if I see that there's a film coming out with him or that he directed or maybe even produced, I'd be like, okay, there's something worth pursuing here. Certainly one of the few remaining names in Hollywood as far as like comedy filmmakers who seems to have clout as far as like, oh, if Judd Apatow is attaching his name to this, we should greenlight it or consider it. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think that clout is starting to fade at this point. I think his kids are starting to kind of gain more uh, uh, cachet, I guess, in the Hollywood business at this point. But that's not to say anything about this film per se, which uh, is a film that I already told you off the air is uh, one that John started to watch for our main <laughs> review of Cinemaholics and then decided to not finish, which, uh, you know, is something I don't uh, blame him for doing. But it makes it annoying when I have already seen the film and am ready to review it. But thankfully, you, Corey, had been watching the film as this was all going down and you offered to join me for this conversation so i will say thank you mm. for uh agreeing to discuss this film yeah no i'm happy to be here um i think we can all agree that judd apatow's had a weird week or so um he's kind of so you're referring to the the twitter thing where he responded yes. to um will smith slapping yeah. chris rock by saying i could have killed him yes exactly um taking a silly dumb moment that people aren't going to remember in like a month and turning it into uh, <laughs> one of the grandest overreactions I think I've ever seen on social media. Um, I think cause that was the, that was probably the very first like major hot take I saw. Cause it was like instant. And then you're just kind of like laughing about it. It's like, Oh no, what did you do that for? And then you see that and you're just like, Oh no. No, 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 Judd. And then yeah. he like kept doubling down on it too. It was just like, ah, come on, yeah. man. And the funny thing about that is that like it wasn't like him being ironic or anything. I think that was a sincere no, opinion was. that he had. It was and it's indeed. like, 
And if that's what he's feeling about Hollywood at the moment, maybe he's not the right guy to be satirizing <laughs> the industry at this time. No. It's like, I, this is maybe controversial to say, but it's like, of all the things that happened within that hour, how in the world was Judd Apatow tweeting the most embarrassing thing? Like, how? <laughs> I mean, there have been a lot of wild takes <laughs> from that have. thing there since have. then, but at the time, maybe that was the most egregious. That was like the first. That was the first egregious thing. There have been some crazy takes, some really awful, bad, like, come on, people, one dude slap sure. somebody. Let's not, you know, it's not World War Three, but like, come on, like, but Judd's was, and again, I love Judd Apatow. Don't get me wrong, like, he's been, he has been like, at least in the world of like the studio comedy. I mean, he really was like a kingmaker there for a good ten, fifteen years. And made a lot of really great movies and oversaw a lot of really great movies. And, I, you know, it's not fun to be in a position where I'm like actively just like kind of hiding my hands behind my face for something that a director that I really respect is doing. Um, but like the bubble is definitely uh, not a movie that I would have wanted him to make. And I think it's just a really frustrating step back for Someone who had really, I think, found a nice lane to stay in going forward and clearly has not, um, you know, taken the lessons well of how artists have adapted to the pandemic. And his pandemic pivot was not very good. Um, We'll talk about it, I know. But um, it's definitely one of the most disappointed I've been in a movie recently. Um, you know, hard, it was hard to be disappointed while I was watching it because the movie is so lifeless, but sure. just the fact that like this could have been a cool premise if they had mm-hmm. executed it well and it just execution's not there. It's just it's disappointing, particularly like 2 years ago because I I'm a big fan of The King of Staten Island and sure. I loved that Judd was beginning to like help develop other comics voices, like he did humor and mm-hmm. like taking other people's scripts and just like throwing in his own directorial Panache, you know, warts and all, like, you know, the guy knows how to make a James L. Brooksy type, you know, movie, and we don't get a lot of those anymore, so they're nice to have, and, you know, but the bubble is not that. The bubble is something else. He's never tried something like this before, and uh didn't work. So you had some expectations, I guess, or hopes for the movie going in, because yeah. I imagine a lot of people are going to go into this not really having any expectations and just saying, like, not. oh, like... Jeff told me a new movie. I didn't even know that it's on Netflix now. Okay, I guess I can watch that. And I don't think it's going to improve the film per se, but I think that might maybe make it more agreeable for some people. But I do agree with you that for me, like, I, I mean, Jed Apatow, I think he's only made one film I've truly loved, and that was uh, Knocked Up. I think that's mm. probably still his best film. Yeah, I but I really do like uh, Four Year Virgin, Funny People, and I, I agree with you that I think. He was starting to find a new stride with movies like Trainwreck and The King of Staten Island, where he was honing his style, not in the sense that like his films, his films were still overlong. They still kind of meandered a bit, but they felt a little bit more uh, attuned to the sensibilities of the film or the comedians that they were uh, frontlining. And they also felt like mm-hmm. he had more of a cinematic language that he was exploring, like the, the worlds themselves felt a little bit more vibrant like visually they were more distinctive than the films he had made prior to that and so it looked like he was on the right being path like he was making more interesting films if not really branching too far from his convention the conventions of his previous films but sorry you were going to say something uh previously well 
uh, he really reminds, I think he's a stronger producer um, and curator than he is a director. Um, I think Knocked Up is the only film that he's made that I really feel like you can make very compelling arguments in his direction is part of the reason why it's successful. Um, like, as much as I enjoy, like, the quote-unquote Judd Apatow film, like, yeah, I mean, like, This is 40 is fine, and I think Trainwreck is good. Um, but, you know, uh, The King of Staten Island was, like, the first movie he had made himself since Knocked Up that I really loved. Um, and Four Year Virgin's obviously really good, but I just feel like when I connect myself to Apatow, it's a lot of the work he produced. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like he, his eye of like scouting new talent, elevating voices, helping those voices kind of tap into themselves. Like I, I think you can make an argument and I'm not saying that this is like it, but I think you can make an argument that Judd's comedic sensibilities in his own understanding and what he's able to make are not always as strong as his peers, but he knows how to get the most out of his peers that they probably wouldn't have gotten if he hadn't found it in them. It's weird. It's like, it's kind of like a coach on a basketball team where it's like, I don't necessarily want like, you know, Greg Popovich out there trying to like dunk things, but like, you know, but in a very less aggressive sense, like maybe we'll go like, Steve Nash with the Brooklyn Nets right now. A former player, probably not the best anymore, but he could play if he had to. But it's like, I want that guy on the bench helping the, the younger talent like elevate themselves and you know score points or whatever. So he's a sports analogy. Is Greg Popovich a baseball player right now? No, he's a, he's the coach of the, of the Spurs. He's probably like okay. in his 70s. Because I grew up with a kid named Greg Popovich. And- Did you really? Yeah, I was confused for a second. I was like, do you do you know him? And I was like, why, why are you throwing him under the rug right now? He seems like a good guy. Uh, How many? There's two Greg Popoviches in the world. The guy you grew up with and the coach of the Spurs. So, I guess so. Yeah, they, they, you know, so they, they need to meet each other. Just a, yeah. just a couple of Popoviches. But anyway, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think I would generally agree with that. Because I think Knocked Up is my favorite from him because I feel like the overlong narrative is actually to film's benefit where that was a film that was the the whole intent of it was just like you have like the inciting incident of uh you know them getting that's the title says knocked up and it's like they kind of have a meet cute in reverse so it's a little bit more about like the characters getting to know each other after they have uh known each other in the biblical sense and it's like that like sense of like that overlong narrative plays the film's benefit because it's like you're you're like you're kind of living with them in the moment and you're getting to know them better. But I think he took the wrong lessons from that and that like uh, all of his other films feel like they're just going on way too long. He feels too emboldened, too indulgent to really cut himself back and like let, you know, uh, the scenes play sharper and like kind of, you know, learn where the he needs to rein it back and where some scenes just kind of need to like, be a little bit tidier and so like like films like uh funny people i think are solid in their own right but like if that movie was even like 20 minutes shorter i feel like it would have been a stronger film and likewise mm-hmm. like as much as i like train wreck and um king of Staten island i feel like those movies would also be stronger if he cut them back by 10 or 15 minutes 
I feel like he really just needs to learn to make a 105 minute film and he keeps producing these 126 minute long films. And so my one hope going into this, because initially it was announced the runtime for this was 105 minutes. Like, oh, finally, he made a 105 minute satire. Like, you know, that's uh, maybe not the exact thing I want as far as like the the subject matter of the film. But like the the runtime suggests that maybe he's finally learning. And then it was later announced that this is also 126 minutes or whatever. And it's just like, gosh, dang it. Like, (laughs) Judd, you're falling back to your old tricks and i feel like this one is probably more egregious than the other ones because oh, yeah that question at least with his other films they kind of slide into drama to where like y- y- you can understand why he lets them run a little bit long certainly king of Staten island you could argue is maybe even more of a drama than it is a comedy and so like the, the runtime for that film and a few of the recent ones like you can understand why they they kind of go longer than they may need to be or expecting people would hope they would be, but there's no reason why this needs to be longer than 95 minutes or 105 minutes. Like this is just a straightforward, broad Hollywood satire where it has an A-list cast, just mucking it up, riffing it up, just trying to make light of a very serious time in our lives. And, I think maybe if it was shorter, I'd be a little bit more agreeable for it, but it just goes on and on and on. And it's it's hard not to get exhausted by it at a certain point. Yeah, it's a uh, it's just a very empty movie that doesn't like it's just it's a movie that's very full of itself for not having any ideas. Um, there is just a, a vapid sense of like satire that kind of floats over the whole thing where the movie like expects the audience to think that it's already funny. And then it kind of comes in and it's like, Oh, you think this is funny. And then you're just like, well, you haven't really done anything. So I'm not really sure to laugh at. And then they'll like throw out an old like COVID joke of like getting your nose swabbed and quarantine and all these things and mixing that into like this, like, mistakenly self-pronounced sense of profound commentary on the vapid nature of celebrity. And it's just, it's a movie that is just so surprisingly full of itself for not having anything going for it. Like, it's kind of like, it kind of confidently struts in like we're doing this, but it's like, you're not really doing anything. So I'm not like, I'm not, I'm not upset. I'm just confused. Like, why are we, why are we so confident when your film doesn't, do anything like it's just it's like it's kind of like going to an art show and someone like showing you a blank canvas and being like look at this shit but it's just like what i don't i don't see anything i'm sorry i don't don't, don't see anything what 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 did you do it's like i did it it's like oh Mm -hmm. okay that's that's the bubble but there's like there's just there's nothing there yeah so i guess we should explain that the plot such as it is uh follows a group of actors who are you know quarantined in this english hotel because they are making cliff b6 which is uh a reference to the fast or sorry the um jurassic park franchise uh certainly this movie was inspired by the making of the still upcoming jurassic world dominion uh and how that movie apparently has had a fairly tortured production process because that was one of the first major films to be shot during the pandemic 
And so it's trying to basically do the drop the Tropic Thunder thing where it is, you know, making fun of the the egos, the eccentricities of movie stars in a situation where they kind of have to, like, play against their vanity when the the you know what is hitting the fan and everything is just going into flames and all that. And I think that would be fine if, like you said, Judd Apatow had a clear point of view about this time or about actors in Hollywood at the current state of the like IP driven industry. But I don't know if it's just that he's too nice or he doesn't really have something specific they want to do or Netflix wasn't willing to get meaner with it or if he felt like he couldn't get meaner with it because of the talent involved. But it just seems like you said, like he doesn't really like he doesn't have anything particularly biting to say about it. it feels weirdly sort of toothless for what it's trying to do because especially considering that none of the actors in this are playing themselves they're all playing broad mm-hmm. indefined undefined caricature caricatures of other celebrities like pedro pascal is kind of sort of supposed to be like a walking phoenix casey affleck type uh as i think you mentioned off the air uh Keegan Michael Key is kind of supposed to be somewhere between Will Smith and maybe Jared Leto. Like he, it's implied that he has like the sort of religious cult, but he also has this like overinflated ego. So it's like maybe like a less talented version of Will Smith, or maybe a more star-driven version of Jared Leto. I'm not exactly sure. And everyone else is kind of fitting into different archetypes. Uh, Iris Apatow, uh, Judd Apatow's daughter is playing this TikTok influencer who's getting into the movie to appeal to uh, Gen Z. And it's just like, like there's like broad ideas here. I get why they felt like, oh, we can satirize the market by including these type of characters. But it just it, there's nothing harmonious about it. Nothing really gels. There's nothing that really sticks because they're just kind of thrown into the screen screen room. And it's like, be funny, do funny stuff. Here's a concept kind of run with it for a few minutes and we'll figure it out in the edit. And maybe that provided a fun shoot, but doesn't necessarily translate into a funny film. It just feels like Jed Apatow firmly making content for Netflix, which is something that seems like the antithesis of what he's been doing for most of his career at this point. Yeah. And that, I think that it's just disheartening because it feels like, you know, he wasn't involved with Tropic Thunder, but I think that he wanted to make his own like Tropic Thunder, uh, Bullfinger esque Hollywood comedy, um, and it just didn't work. And I think one of the big reasons for that is because whether it was Netflix or him, they didn't put enough cerebral focus on the actual stuff they were satirizing. Um, to where it just comes across as lazy. Like, the Cliff B stuff feels like, I think um, somebody noted that it looks like the, the Asylum stuff. Like, these are not actual movies that people would watch. Like, these things are very overly stupid. And it's like, the brilliance of Tropic Thunder is that you could believe every single thing in that. And while they're a little over-aggrandized, like, these are real things, especially the... Uh, the spoof that Robert Denny Jr. and Toby McGuire were doing um, of the Oscar bait type thing. Like these are very believable things that were satiring, you know, satirizing. And it's just, there was so much more intelligence and effort put into the actual joking. 
Um, and if I feel like that in this film, they just took so much stock in the fact that they had a smart premise to them. And then whether Netflix was like, I, we can't spend this much money on, you know, the stuff you're making fun of, or it was Apatow being like, I just want to make this really cheap and shoddy to like underscore how stupid I think all of this is. It just doesn't play well. And I think it kind of detracts from what they're trying to do. Because if what you're making fun of is so ludicrously off base that the satire doesn't connect and you're already in a situation where the script is so inane and not really finding much humor in what it's trying to do outside of thinking itself as funny for what it's doing in the first place, there's just no movie. And I, I don't think this movie is like a quote unquote disaster as much as I think it is just very, it's just very bland. And that thing, that's what's disappointing is it's just like there are these little moments where it's like trying to do something else. Like I think you were talking about like it tries like edge to be weird or dark or whatever. But then it just like completely falls back on itself into just something very just rote and sitcom-y. And I just I feel mm-hmm. like that. It's very it, tropey. Yeah, it is. It is very tropey. And I, there's just no like the characters don't have much depth. Um, there's just not like a a central person you can really connect to. Like, it's just, it's just a very goofy misfire for someone who has never tried to make a movie like this. Because what I love about Apatow's films is they're, they're very central. They're very low key for having such big casts, but they are, but they're very human driven. Um, and like all of his movies, the characters are deep and you don't always like the characters, but you're not always supposed to, because there's like that, evolution they go on and it's like there actually is strong character work and in this film it just was staggeringly off because one thing i feel like apatow has always understood even in like a movie like this is 40 is like the he has empathy for the things that his actors his characters are going through um but there is an empathy in his work to where it's like even when amy schumer's character who's kind of like the problematic person who goes on the life journey it's like the well, movie that's, is a uh, train wreck right yeah, that's it's Schumer. I, I thought that you're talking about this is 40. Sorry. Oh no no no. Um, okay, sorry. But like the uh, even that character, it's like there is there. There's always been an empathy in his films for just what people are going through, and life. The movies never really end up in a place where there's like that much resolution. It's kind of like life. Like it's messy. You figure it out. You don't have everything figured out necessarily, but you just can make do. Um, and I have always admired that his films take such a realistic approach, but this is just, this is just flubber. I mean, there's just nothing. It just bounces around and makes weird noises and doesn't do anything. It's just a waste of time. Well, I wish it was flubber. Cause I feel like flubber <laughs> is a more entertaining film, though. <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen that film in quite a long time, but I will <laughs> say that I agree with you. I feel like none of his other films have been cynical in this particular way. Yeah, like there is a, innate empathy from his other films I feel like is crucially and weirdly lacking from this film. And that can be fine if you want to lean into it. Cause like you said, there are moments in this film where he seems to allow himself to get weirder or meaner with the commentary, but those moments are fairly fleeting and it makes for a largely sort of shapeless and therefore dull film. Cause it doesn't seem like he's really saying anything specific. He just feels like he's just kind of, throwing everything at the wall and seeing what might stick. And even if stuff doesn't stick, he's like, well, what can you do? Got to move on to the next scene. 
And yeah, just he's basically leaving all these actors out the dry. And a lot of them are, as we mentioned, very talented. I think they can certainly hold their own in a better version of this film. I don't think we mentioned that Karen Gillian is, or Karen Gillan is uh, the lead in the film. And I think certainly she could be a tremendous Apatow lead in a better, more focused film. But she's just kind of playing a fairly two-dimensional character who is, you know, not really specific to any particular one actress it seems like but it doesn't really seem like there's much to her character at all really it's just sort of like a young actress who is aging out of a, a certain type of young actress mode who is returning to a franchise that has defined her career for most of her life and you know going on the verge of insanity and you can do stuff with that but it just doesn't seem like Apatow is really uh, pulling his punches, or it, it, it seems like uh, he is pulling his punches. I mean, he's like just seems like he doesn't really know what he wants to say, or if he does know what he wants to say, he doesn't want to say it. And it's like, well, if you're not going to say that, you're not going to do that. Then what are we really doing here? We're just kind of wasting everyone's time, unfortunately. Um, and yeah, it's just it's just kind of a shame in that respect. I wish we had more to say about it, but it's just like you know, it just feels like a big missed opportunity and if you know i admire apatow for trying something somewhat different than his modus operandi but this was a unfortunate misfire and i hope he would go back to doing like we said something that amplifies another comedian's voice but allows them to flourish through his style certainly i think i said to you i saw someone suggest he make a mulaney movie and i feel like that'd be perfect for him you know kind of talking about his recent battles if when he felt comfortable doing so in the Apatow way. It seems like a perfect uh, thing for him to do right now, but I don't think that's what really interests him at the moment. I think he is already attached to write and direct. Uh, this is 50, a sequel yeah. to Knocked Up and This is 40, which, I mean, I guess it's going to be more personal than this for sure, but yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if anyone... So. I think only Judd Apatow is asking for that film. So, I don't know. I mean, at the end of the day, I feel like his other two films, they're better and more creatively inspiring, but they probably were more challenging to make. And I think, especially with the pandemic going on, I think he probably wanted to make something with either uh, his friends and family or people that he hasn't collaborated with previously. And one, something that wasn't as challenging as his previous films, but you know, that doesn't make the work any better, unfortunately. No, 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 no. And I think at the end of the day, like, he just, it's it's just it's just a clean, like, whiff. I mean, I think he really tried to do something different. And, um, you know, he just really stuck his neck out there and was like, I'm going to go to Netflix and do this because I know that I'm going to be able to do whatever the hell I want. And get all these people that I think would be funny to put together and just do it. And just not care and mm -hmm. just try to just do something silly and dumb and, you yeah. know, and, I, and I'm sure it was fun to make. Like, I'm sure everyone had a great time on set. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm sure it was a fun atmosphere, but it just doesn't connect. And there's just such a, I, I think it's his worst edited film by far, too, because there is just such an incoherence in the story. Like, it's just, it's just because the whole movie is about the shoot and they go random days, but it just, there's no, the movie never hits a stride. Like, there's never a point where it's just like, oh, maybe they're starting to do something here. It's just, it's just a slapdash and just kind of put together without a lot of thought. And, you know, I mean, 
obviously it's a movie people are always working hard and you know, there's always sure. more thought than you're willing to give credit for but i i just i don't think this is going to be one of the movies mm-hmm. that when we're looking back on art oh, that no. came from the pandemic that we're putting a spotlight yeah. on except to say that this is what maybe you shouldn't have made sure. out of your pandemic experience yeah but yeah i, I do agree because that that ties into a thing that you mentioned earlier that i wanted to tie back to which is that if he is going to make a parody of these franchise things, certainly like with this Cliff, Cliff Beast six thing, like there's a way of doing it where you can either acknowledge that the franchise is losing its way because of the shoot where it's like, you know, as the film progresses, like it starts off with like impressive special effects, but as it goes along, the effects get more and more shoddy and overbearing and all this stuff. And he's a way you can do that in a clever way, or you can acknowledge that like, you know, the, the film itself is low budget and you can do like that kind of same thing. But yeah, I don't know, it just seems like it, it doesn't feel true to the making of films like this. And it no. doesn't feel accurate to what the experience is either. So, like I said, I don't really know what we're doing here. It's not funny enough to justify itself. It's not no. insightful enough. It doesn't feel true to the, the industry enough to to warrant this type of project and yeah, it just feels like another film that is going on to the Netflix server and it's probably going to be forgotten in the course of a month or maybe two. Its um, bubble will pop pretty soon. There you go. Uh, before we play around Tomatoes game, were there any performances that stood out to you, good or bad, in this film? Yeah. Um, this one guy never really... Uh, uh, Goose Khan? Um, there's a British comedian and impressionist oh, okay. and actor. Um, the guy with the beard. Yeah. He's not in the movie much. Um, but it's so interesting. Um, I've never heard of him before, but, um, he, uh, came out apparently against, um, the, uh, Jurassic World when it came out um, because he felt that um, the film used a uh, slang term against uh, Pakistani people um, that I guess they were trying to use a slang term for a dinosaur in the film and they accidentally used I guess the slang term for Pakistani people. Oh, I think I vaguely remember this now. Yeah, and he um, like tried to boycott the movie and like, um, you know, it kind of tried to like bring awareness to the fact that the movie was like inadvertently using this, um, racial slur, um, which is really interesting because now he's like finding himself in a position where he's, uh, making fun of the Jurassic world franchise. So maybe that's kind of a interesting little roundabout thing. I, I just now I'm reading that. That's fascinating. Yeah. I didn't know um, that. But I really like he didn't really have any good material at all. But I, yeah. it, but I could see him being really good in a different movie. Like I, I think I liked his energy, and I think that he's got something going there. I just don't know. This is not it, but maybe he'll find something down the road. But that's like the one performance in this that I actually thought was interesting. From like I didn't, I've never heard of this guy before, and I'm kind of curious to see what he'll do after this. Mm-hmm. But, you know, obviously, yeah. uh, <laughs> the bubble is not going to be his sure. breakout. I don't imagine so. Uh, there are two performances that stood out 
to me for somewhat different reasons. The the first was uh, a guy named Harry Trevolwin. Uh He played Gunther, the like uh, assistant guy. And I don't think his performance is necessarily funny, but it feels like he's putting more interest than everyone else around him in a way that I, I feel like he was giving more to this movie than any other actor really was. And I, I'm curious to see if he's going to get attached to a better project in the future. It all seems like he's more of a dramatic actor. So I kind of appreciate him doing something this openly goofy. Uh, and the other performance that stood out to me was David Duchovny in the sense that I feel like he wasn't ever really sold on this whole thing. Like not to say that his performance is outright bad, but it just seems like he's just kind of like in it, maybe like 45, 50%. But like I feel like his weird sort of passiveness to this project highlighted how absurd some of the lines were, and therefore <laughs> it kind of in it made some of his dialogue funnier. I think as a result, for instance, there's one line I think I told you already where he's just he's talking to Leslie Mann, who has like he's had an on and off fling with for decades. They have an adopted son together, and he was just like, "I'm sorry, I missed your wife's," or "Sorry, I, I'm." I'm sorry I missed your mom's funeral to attend the People's Choice Award and the way that he delivers that line in, in a rather kind of uh, jaded, uh, apathetic sort of way got a good, sizable chuckle out of me. And I feel like he is one of the, the few bright spots in otherwise sort of listless, dull movie. And uh, I don't want to commend him for giving a sort of half-ass performance, it feels, but I also feel like that. He, he comes out of this looking better than most of the other actors inadvertently at the same time. So those are two performances that stood out to me, at least. Yeah, and I, I hope Karen Gillan gets an actual, like, big comedy. Oh, for to sure. Play me in. too. Because she's yeah. really good in Duel, which comes out this yes. month. Yes, agreed. Um, and I, I really like her as an actress, so I'd like to, I hope that she gets more to do elsewhere that's not Guardians of the Galaxy. I agree. So... Let's play. You've played the Rotten Tomatoes game with us before, mm-hmm. right? I have. All right. Um, have you looked up the Rotten Tomatoes score for this? I game? have, but I'm not like 100%. Okay. I think I might know it, but I don't know if I'm right or not. Well, do you have a guess? 26? You're pretty close. It is, as of now, 23%. Okay. 23. Okay. Pretty consensus. Meandering and mostly unfunny. The bubble gums up an all-star cast with hackneyed gags about show business and the pandemic life. So, not a critical hit. Certainly the lowest of Jed Aptal's directorial career. But what about audiences? How do you feel they are responding to this film? That I don't know. I would say 45. Not too off the mark. Uh, It's actually 35% at this current moment. So, yeah, audiences, uh, likewise, not really jiving with this film i can't blame them it's you know not really something i feel like anyone (laughs) can really connect with unfortunately outside of uh you know maybe those in the know but even they i feel like aren't really going to be receptive to this film also i kind of feel like uh, there's a lot here like i said that isn't really specific like there's like four separate dance scenes in this film <laughs> that just are like, why do we have like four? Why is this movie going on for 126 minutes? What do There's we need a, to do? It's a whole lot of TikTok going on. Yeah. Which felt like, why didn't they just like delete those scenes and put them on TikTok to promote the movie? Like, I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, to wrap this up, uh, do you know the letterbox average score for the bubble? 
No, 2.1. Really, really close, man. It is 2.0. Oh, wow. Off by so you a did point. a good job. Yeah. Fair enough. I'll take it. Thanks. All right. Yeah, so unlike Jet Apatow, we're going to wrap this up in an agreeable time, uh, at least by our standards. Uh, Corey, thank you so much for being willing to go the extra mile that John was not willing to, which is finishing this film and discussing it. I appreciate uh, it. Sure. Uh, I imagine we'll discuss another film at another time. What that will be remains undetermined, but you'll find out, dear listener, soon enough. So. I'm going to say with that, I bid you adieu. Have a good one.